Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like, imagine a team. If, if what, what am I going to give, like, and I'm not thinking about what I'm getting from that team, then that team is going to be stronger because we all want to give more than we, we're taking back. And I think that's true to life. If, you're, if your goal is more about giving all of yourself then there is no failure because even if the end goal doesn't happen, you've done the whole process to get there. Hi, dear you. I couldn't be more excited that you're here listening to 30 in a bit. I've got an exciting episode in store, but before we hop into it, I would like to ask you a favor. Many of you are not subscribed to the podcast, so I would love to ask you to grab your phone right now and hit that subscribe button. And while you've got your phone in your hand anyway, I hope I can ask for one more kind act, and that is to give the podcast five stars. In Spotify, you can do that by clicking on the rating. It's kind of in the middle of the screen when you're at the top of the page. I hope that makes sense. And on Apple, please scroll all the way down and leave a review there. I thank you from the bottom of my heart, truly. Now, usually I introduce an episode, but I'm not doing that this time because I explain why we have today's question and the expert along the way of our chat. So let's jump in. Our amazing expert today is Emma Pellant-Brown. Emma is a three-time world duathlon winner. And for those that don't know what that is, like me, I Googled it for us. A duathlon is a run, cycle, and run. Emma is also a world aqualon champion and is a hugely successful Ironman 70.3 racer with 18 wins on her name. And an Ironman is a triathlon, so you swim, bike, and run. Emma has just turned 34 two days ago when this comes out. She is British and living in South Africa with her dust, with her husband and dogs. Welcome, Emma. Thank you so much. And yeah, sorry about the dog's noise. Hopefully they settle down soon. <laughs> no problem. Uh, my first question to every expert always is, how are your 30s going so far? Sure. Yeah. It's been uh, busy, really busy. Like my thirties, if I think, yeah, back to three years ago, um, I've got married. I've got two dogs now. Um, yeah, we finally settled in one place. So I feel like as of 30, I've, I've suddenly grown up. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Those are really grown up things to do, getting a dog and getting married for sure. Yeah, yeah. Very grown up until we keep going away to race and we drop them with the grandparents. Um, and you're turning 34 in in like a few days. Um, are you excited for the new year? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, I've, I've thankfully got a husband who is uh, six years younger than me. So I, I decide that I'm uh, kind of take his age as well, and we can average it out somehow. So um, I'm not feeling too old yet. Um, But yeah, I think the years are just um, so much has happened. And every new year, I'm kind of excited about what it is going to bring. Amazing. I love the positive attitude. Emma, I'm so happy you're here, first of all. So I have been looking 
for someone to cover this topic with for a while now. And I've reached out to a couple of psychologists and I could never, or trainers, and I could never really find someone that was perfect for this question. How can you do hard things? Until I did an Ironman 70.3 in Aix-en-Provence, which is in the south of France, two weeks ago. And you won that one. And that's when it clicked. And I knew immediately who I had to talk to. And the reason I've been wanting to speak with someone about how to do hard things is because I think a lot of people just being human means you need to do a lot of hard things in your life. Um, Whether it's saying goodbye to a loved one or having a tough conversation at work, maybe with your partner. If you're struggling in your relationship, giving birth, raising children, taking care of your parents, or in my case, deciding to sign up for half Ironman in less than four months. The mental strength that it takes can be super taxing. And I'm afraid that if people don't know how to do hard things, they might avoid them altogether and things don't change for the better. Like if they don't go up to their boss to have a tough conversation or with their partner and just nothing improves. And then the reason I thought you were going to be perfect for this is because you do a lot of races every year. This is your job. And for each, you need to train and prepare and seek those boundaries, probably cross them a lot as well. You need to mentally prepare before a race, be mentally sane during the race. And maybe you're in a lot of pain during the race, or maybe the result isn't what you had in mind. So I think, um, When you think about how to do hard things, you have to learn as an athlete to kind of regulate those emotions around it. And during our conversation today, I would love to be able to kind of translate your strategies into how someone can implement them into their day to day. So that was my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm looking forward to talking about that and giving the listeners tools. But before we get into that, I would love to understand how someone becomes a professional triathlon and duathlon racer. Yeah. So, um, this leads in actually quite nicely from what you were saying, because that is one of my mottos in life is what challenges you changes you. Um, and I was a long distance runner growing up. I kind of did all sports and then, um, got into endurance running, absolutely loved it. Um, was competing internationally and kind of, yeah, from a young age was on government funding and, um, kind of felt like I was a professional athlete from quite young. Um, And then I got a bad injury, um, a bad knee injury, and I started to cycle and swim just to keep fit. Um, And I was being um, mentored by Kelly Holmes at the time. And she said, why don't you just do a triathlon at the end of this kind of injury stint when you can get back running um, to kind of celebrate and have a goal to your swim and bike training? which I thought was a cool idea. Um, so signed up for this charity spot in a triathlon and I absolutely loved it. And I think part of it that kind of really drew me to like running races I'd done all my life and they were quite samey. You go to these amazing places, but a track was a track. You'd be running around kind of against the same people. Whereas the triathlon, suddenly I was coming out kind of way back in the field and chasing on the bike and then chasing on the run. Um, And I thought, you know what, this is like, I love this. This is something that I'm getting my butt kicked at. And it's something that's really going to kind of make me stronger as an all round athlete. Um, 
And so, yeah, I pretty much went from, I, I kind of thought I'd do a couple more triathlons, but literally fell in love with it. And um, yeah, I, I was a physiotherapist, so I kind of funded, I worked a little bit at the start just to fund kind of myself to get to the races um, and then started picking up sponsors, picking up results and yeah, it turned into a career. It's amazing. Yeah, I guess you really need the sponsors because the Ironmans are all over the world. And well, now that I've done one, it's not cheap <laughs> to participate. Yeah. And that was the kind of the thing that helped me as well was those duathlons. So the swim is my absolute weakest. And so whilst I was kind of still learning to swim a bit faster, um, I was able to um, get a um, a world title at the duathlon, which kind of helped me get on board a few sponsors um, whilst I was kind of progressing up the triathlon ranks. Oh, clever. And would you say that your run is still your strongest? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think I kind of rely on that back end of the race still. It's so impressive. Now that I've done mine, I feel like you've done yours in like almost half of the time I did mine. But now that I've done mine, it's actually so um, addictive. We finished. I was in quite a bit of pain finishing. And then I had like two Aperol spritzes after and a pasta. And I was like, okay, where's the next one? <laughs> Yeah. And you did a tough one. Like those weather conditions, trust me, it's not always like that. Sometimes you do get sunshine and uh, yeah, that was a hard, cold day. So uh, yeah, massive kudos to you. Thank you. And I even heard that the one in X is quite um, difficult because it's a lot of climbing. Looking in the Netherlands, you don't really have any mountains. The tallest thing I'd climbed was like a bridge in Amsterdam. You don't have mountains. So I'd never done any hills um, up until I was in the middle of that race. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that is impressive because, yeah, that is a really, it's known for being quite a technical um, and, and tough kind of, yeah, very hilly race. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I really want to try a bunch more. I've got a couple in mind. I don't know. I might be addicted. <laughs> what I was wondering as well, during the Ironman and X, um, the men and women get a different color swimming cap. So the men were wearing orange and the women were wearing green. I'm not entirely sure if that was the same for the, for the pros, but you can just see there's this ocean of orange heads, all these men that are participating and the green ones were so sparse. And I wonder, how do you stay up in something that seems to be such a world dominated by men? Yeah, I think even in the pro field, uh, you see that reflected quite a lot where um, the, the men's fields are a lot bigger than the women's fields. And I kind of feel like, again, if, if you're not challenging something, you're not changing it. So it's our responsibility to get involved, get friends involved, and also to look at, like, I have some amazing sponsors. Um, for example, Santini uh, Triathlon, they really champion their women. Um, they're a business run by women. Um, and their cycling products, all their kind of technology, like it's so individual to the gender. Um, and they're trying to break those barriers of, okay, what are the reasons why less females participate? Um, and how can we overcome those, those um, kind of challenges for women and break down those barriers so that it's a lot more easy for them to decide to do things like this? And um, I do think that, especially as a professional athlete as well, 
I think that's a major responsibility for us to kind of, yeah, I, I coach 10 women at the moment and it's oh, so wow. interesting, again, just talking to them, like you, you really find out things with honest and open conversations about, okay, they, this, this puts them off doing that, or they don't want to enter this race because of that, or they're struggling with this area of life. And it's like, okay, how can we make that as easy as possible to overcome? Um, and then I do think the sport grows quickly because there's so many good things happening in our sport, like professional triathlon organization have just put in a maternity, um, leave kind of, um, so, so if a, if a pro athlete falls pregnant, um, then they get their rank frozen for a year. So it's things like that where they're going to actually keep more women in sport and also make it more of an attractive career um, for women. And, and I think there's a lot happening, but there's so much more we can keep doing to, um, yeah, help participation. Well, I was going to bring this up at the end of our conversation, but this is a really good segue into what's been happening in your life the previous week. Um, you posted a photo where um, you had bled through a tampon and you can see that in your tri-suit. You decided not to crop that photo, but like you can see it, it's like it's not super obvious, but um, a lot of people paid attention to it. There were a lot of people with a lot of opinions coming at you on why you should have or should have not posted that photo. Um, why did you feel like posting a photo like that really set a good example for women in your sport? So I think a lot of this comes back from um, when I was an endurance uh, athlete growing up and I lost my period for about three to four years. Um, I'd had my period and then I didn't have it. And it was a real battle. Like I was fortunate enough to be on funding and have a great coach and a great doctor at UK Athletics that said to me, this isn't normal. This isn't healthy. We need to get your period back. And I think it was at the time I didn't realize how important that was. And I was very much performance driven. And, and I was like, oh, these guys, like, I just, I just want to be a good athlete. And, um, I think that being that young, like looking back the, the old me, I wasn't proud of that opinion. I think that the way that I look at things now, you can be an amazing athlete and a female. That's maybe why it struck me a little bit. The fact that to me, that picture was such a hard fight to get that period back. And to me, that's now like such a beautiful sign of health that I think yeah, I want to change opinions of, of how we look at that, that also not to be an awkward or embarrassing kind of topic that it's so normal. It, it's, it could happen to anyone out there. And if that is one of the things that's putting females off from competing or doing sport at that time of the month, like that actually takes a lot of sporting out of a life that there's really in this day and age, I don't think any kind of reason for it. I, I kind of think that, yeah, just hiding any of that off social media just means that you're trying to glamorize something. And for me, pro athletes should be a reflection of everyday athletes. We just are lucky to do it as a career. And um, I think I never want to be like that untouchable, like you look up to someone and you think like that could never be me. This is something that happens to anyone. And it really is normal and they're celebrating it. And that gives me confidence to go out and compete on, yeah, when I'm on, on the time of my month and, and not feeling so great as it is anyway. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You said that in a, in a different interview as well, that you want to promote women to still work out when they're on their period and when they maybe have a heavy flow or not feeling great. Yeah, and, and I think I kind of hope that I would inspire like women out there, but I also didn't realize how much inspiration I would take from this. Like so many stories, so many people have written to me um, and so much advice as well, so much education of things that I've learned about cups, like I've learned that I definitely didn't give cups a good enough go. Um, so many people recommending discs. And when I actually started looking into just the amount of products that are actually available now, then um, again, I think that's a massive step forward. And just for the listeners who haven't done an Ironman before or a triathlon, during the switches of the, the you call it the transitions from swim to bike to run, there is no time to go to the bathroom, especially if you're a pro. Like I go to the bathroom because I'm not here to set a new record or to finish as one. But um, the pros don't stop to go to the bathroom during the race. So for those couple hours, there is not you don't have a chance to change a tampon, really. So if you're if you're heavy, if your flow is heavy, this is what's going to happen or can happen. So I just wanted to give a little bit of a backstory on that, but I think it is really inspiring. And I love the whole idea of wanting to, to normalize it, to work out on your period and make it a conversation, not something to hide. I think it's great. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it's so important. And, and I just actually love how open so many people have been and started sharing their stories with me. Um, and yeah, there's so much beauty that's, that's come out of talking about it. So, so in this man's world, um, do you ever struggle with imposter syndrome? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, I think I'm, I'm someone that, like, very much, I feel, has been balanced by I, I'm so goal driven um and I'd say that yeah I've never kind of felt I've, I've always been so kind of wanting to be busy wanting to be hard working and I think that actually caught me out um a little bit before I met my husband and he's made me a whole lot more balanced and I think yeah I just kind of I don't see myself as anything special or anything different and and I kind of think I'm just so lucky in the family and friends that I have is I feel very accepted and very just very comfortable being surrounded by the right people and um, not having imposter syndrome that's amazing <laughs> how do you mentally deal with the pressure of succeeding like I can imagine people with children for example feel the constant pressure that they want to be the best parent out there um, so the pressure that you feel going into a race, how do you think you can translate that to people in their everyday life? I think um, it's very much something. So I deal with it by thinking about the process. So I, I kind of try and forget about the, the end goal or kind of what you're what you're getting out of it. I think if you are very concentrated on, OK, I'm what, what is the process to get here? Am I doing everything and, and really focus on what you're giving to this 
rather than what you are trying to get out of it, then you kind of take that succeed or fail out of the, the picture and you're more thinking, okay, these are the controllable things. These are how I've got a strategy. I've worked out how I'm going to get to there. And rather than thinking about all the emotions of everything I want when I'm there, because that will come. If, if, if you work hard and you, you control those things and you're so in the moment and, and present and controlling what you can control, then whatever the end result is, that that's going to be. And the emotions and things that kind of go with that, I think you almost want to not be not be focusing on those because it's like with everything in life that if you can focus on what you're giving to something, then what you get back comes. Like it's it's very much a yeah, it's good to have a goal and that's your motivation, that's what you're working to, but don't kind of look past that. Don't look at all the goodness that comes with that because then you're kind of thinking about something before it's happened. And that's kind of what I try and just stay present in the moment. And if I'm coming up to a big race, then think, okay, how am I going to swim? How am I going to bike? How am I going to run? Um, how's my training going? Am I eating well? Am I sleeping well? Um, and yeah, then whatever the, the race will be, at least I've done all the controllables here. And um, I'm not too much thinking about what's past the finish line. That's a really good one. Control what you can control. And I guess ace that in a way as well. So you want to make sure that you've trained really well, you've slept well, you've ate well. But then that's all. So the only things you can control, like in X, when it was really rainy and the roads were wet, those are things that you cannot control. Yeah, 100%. And I think if you're then thinking about whilst you're on the bike, uh, how fast am I going? What's my time going to be at the end of the bike? Or how am I going to run? Then you're not focusing on the present. You're not focusing about controlling your bike on those wet roads and looking where you're going. Um, so yeah, very much kind of keeping in the moment. And how do you mentally prepare before a race? Like how do you keep your head cool? Before a big race, I, I love my music. I really love music. And before a big race, I'll often be kind of too pumped up and too like, yeah, I'm just kind of on edge. So I listen to more kind of chilled, feel good music. Um, and then in the smaller races, when I want to be like pumped up more and, and um, yeah, I kind of listen to fast kind of, yeah, again, feel good music, but something with a bit of like grit and go. Um, yeah, that's kind of my last minute, get me in a good headspace um, go to. Because then during the race, you are not allowed to wear make uh, wear music. Yeah. And I often have like, if I've got a new, like I always have to change my tunes. I'm always looking for new music. Like I, I can't do the same thing over and over again. But um, going into a race, if I found like a fresh new tune that I really like, that it's going to be my race tune, um, then I'll listen to it a couple of times. And then, yeah, often when I'm on the bike, it'll be like going in my head. I was also singing in my head. <laughs> So tell us, how can we do hard things? What should we focus on mentally? Apart from what you mentioned earlier, um, like control the controllables, don't look too far ahead. Um, are there more tips? Yeah, I think um, just make it bite-sized. I think if a goal seems so big and so scary to begin with, then have process goals, have little things along the way that, okay, this is going to be the first goal. And it's like a step to that big goal. Um, and, um, 
I think as well being forgiving. I think be forgiving to yourself. Like we're all human. There's going to be little slips, slip ups along the way. And I think you you just got to remember that that can actually bounce you back stronger. Um, so it's being realistic about that there might be bumps in the roads and things might not go smooth, but being determined to be that the goal is big enough and you want it enough to be resilient through those kind of ups and downs. Have you ever gone to a point in a race where you wanted to give up, but didn't and how, what was your thought process there? Yeah, a hundred percent. So last year at the worlds, um, I'd done a really good training block here in Johannesburg at altitude. Um, and we cut out a bit of the season for it so that we'd just totally focused on world champs 70.3. Um, and it was over in St. George. Um, and I train in the, the heat of the, of South Africa because last year it had been quite hot and we got over there and suddenly the temperature like plummeted and race day was absolutely freezing. Um, and yeah, we put in so much to this goal and I was desperate to get on that podium. Um, I had a good swim and then I got onto the bike and I was just freezing. Um, a lot of the girls had actually put jackets on, but I decided to run through transition and just get on my bike, which was not very clever. Um, and yeah, the bike leg, like we, we, I, part of the course actually went past where we were staying and I was so tempted. I was just so cold and <laughs> hating it. I was losing time. Um, I could hear just, yeah, they were giving me time splits and, and I could hear everyone that, that I was like dropping back, dropping back. Um, and I just wanted to pull into that house. I just thought I'm, I need to get this frostbite off and just get in a hot bath and just snuggle up and hibernate because I was so cold. But then I was like, no way, like you've sacrificed everything. Like a lot of people are believing you and you've got all your sponsors, like you're going to have to tough this out. So I finished off the bike and I was quite a bit back. I think it was like five minutes to the podium and I just got onto the run and I just feel like my mind changed. I just kind of gave myself a talking to, I was like, the faster you run, like the warmer you're going to be. So just like get on with it, suck it up, like stop feeling sorry for yourself and just get out there. And I started chasing it down. And then suddenly I was in fourth position. Then I ended up in third and yeah, it was just the fact that that goal had seemed in that bike part of the race, it seemed like so, so far away. Um, and yet I'd managed to somehow got it back on the run. Um, that was just a proud moment because everything, all those negative thoughts, the absolutely every part of me wanted to drop out on that bike. And then I think, yeah, I, I kind of showed myself as well that day that actually like you can be tough and you can pull through situations that you, you really don't think you can get through. I had quite a bit of pain in my left foot during my run and it made me run in a different, like a different position or whatever. So my left knee started hurting. Um, but I just kept thinking every step I take, no matter how slow it is, no matter like I, I, my every kilometer was taking longer and longer, but I was like, every step I take is closer towards the finish. And that's where I want to be. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I think that's the trick of even like, that's a good way to think about it because especially on those runs that are loop runs, like it's so easy if you, as, as you run past the finish and you know, you're going to do another two of those laps that, um, yeah, you got to keep thinking like every step is, is not to the finish. It's to my goal, which is 
the full finish. Exactly. So I guess that also brings back you saying make goals bite-sized. Also, like every every step that you take um, will get you closer to your goal. Yeah, 100%. And break, even in a race, breaking it down. Okay, okay, let's focus on the kilometer that I'm on. And then when the next kilometer comes, like we'll deal with that and just keeping on, keeping on um, and you get there. I think that you can definitely translate that into, into regular life as well. Like, okay, whenever you hit the next kilometer, whenever you hit the next hurdle, just keep going because you'll get closer to your goal. Yeah, 100%. In the case of the world championships that you mentioned earlier, you ended up exceeding your expectations by um, still getting onto the podium. But what happens or how do you deal with the feeling of being disappointed when you maybe didn't get the result you were you trained really hard for and thought you were able to gonna get? Yeah. So, um, again, last year, um, I did the Canadian open, the, the, a big race, um, that, um, was, was put on like the, the biggest prize money race that they had last year. Um, and to travel from South Africa to Canada is like a big trip. Uh, and again, with the time zone and everything, we took a lot out and I got there, um, got into the race and I punctured on like the first, um, Uh. yeah, the first part of the bike had no spares and we weren't able to fix it. So yeah, I'd got all that way. Um, and it was also a qualifier for Collins cup, which was another big event that year. So it made, meant that I didn't qualify for that race. So yeah, I just felt absolutely gutted and, and I felt, I I think it was hard to begin with. It was kind of thinking about everyone back at home that was watching the race. Um, and that I was going to have to call and explain to everyone and, I don't know, just felt really deflated. Um, and I think, again, it's having those good people around you that say don't, they don't mind that they see you as a human, not a result. And like, as long as you're okay, they just want to make you happy and just like get home. And um, that kind of helps. But I think the self-talk then on the, I think it was 32 hours of travel back home, I just kept going over in my head, like what I could have done differently or what had happened. And I think for me, the thing that like helps so much is setting the next goal and being like, just looking at my calendar and being like, okay, I didn't do this race. I'm not doing the next race. So what can I do? Like what races are there out? What's going to be my next goal? And that was eyeing up the world 70.3 champs. And I was like, okay, I've got now three months till the worlds. I'm going to be traveling less because I'm racing less. So this is my big goal and I'm going to put everything into this. And then suddenly that mindset set kind of shifts from, yeah, being upset, feeling down to, okay, determined and positive and let's go after this. And I think that really helps kind of my mind, my mindset. Did you ever feel like when you were kind of spiraling, um, with your thoughts during the long travel back, were you able to snap yourself out of it in one way, or it was just a spiral all those hours? Yeah, I think it was, I I did have like the first, the, so I think I took three flights in total. And the first flight was definitely like, Oh, I can't like, cause I thought, okay, if at least when you, sometimes when you have a sleep, you feel much better anyway. Um, but I couldn't sleep because every time I was trying to like close my eyes, I just kept thinking about it in my head. And then it was on that next plane journey that I was like, okay, 
I'm going to just make a goal here. And that was, um, yeah. So I think I allowed myself about four or five hours of feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> that's really impressive. Maybe that's also a takeaway from this. Like, don't feel sorry. If, uh, to, uh, don't feel sorry about yourself for too long. Yeah. <laughs> and set the next goal. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that always that next target just helps things feel better. Before I get to the final question of the episode, my husband made me promise to ask you this. Um, so we both did the 70.3, the half Ironman. How does one prepare from going from a half Ironman to a whole one? He's trying to convince me to do one. I'm not really sure yet, but I promised him I'd ask you. <laughs> sure. Okay. So first of all, don't double your training. That's a um, big, big myth. You definitely don't need to do that. Um, to be honest, it's not massively different. Um, I would definitely say you need to have your your um, long open water swim. I would do a couple of them um, with people if possible. So just have that feeling of swimming for that long without the drink, without the food um, and things just like the comfort of the wetsuit, making sure you have Vaseline on all the the things that just that extra bit of time in the water, they do kind of add up if you if you haven't practiced them. Um, and then the same thing, I would say three to four big bikes um, before the race. Um, they normally prepare you well with a little bit of a runoff so you can test your nutrition. So you, you have what you can kind of get on the course. You have everything else on your bike that you want um, and only stop at the garage for what you can get at an aid station. Um, and then practice your a shorter runoff um, just so that, yeah, you can check your stomach tolerates the food okay. Um, and then again, with the long run, I would just progress it up. So you, one of your long runs being 25K, then 28K, maybe a 32, but I definitely wouldn't go over a 35. 35 would be kind of your max that you'd, you'd need to long run into it. Um, just to get your pacing and your good feel right. But yeah, just don't go, don't overtrain. You, you're better to go into the race. Like obviously you want the good preparation, um, but the, the training isn't massively different. Um, just the weekends get a little bit longer um, and yeah, make sure that you taper well. You go into it fresh and ready. Well, you make it sound really easy. <laughs> when my <laughs> husband hears this, he's going to be like, okay, let's sign up right now. <laughs> yeah, sign up. Oh man. Okay. I might've just sucked myself into this. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> My final question every episode is, if you could give the listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? Um, I think my one takeaway would be put into life, concentrate um, on what you're giving to something. Don't concentrate on what you're going to get out of it. Because I think, like, imagine a team. If, if what, what am I going to give, like, and I'm not thinking about what I'm getting from that team, then that team is going to be stronger because we all want to give more than we we're taking back. And I think that's true to life. If your if your goal is more about giving all of yourself and that internal kind of drive and that 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 internal thing that no external outcomes can kind of take away that feeling of of the drive inside and the pride and the reason why you're doing it, then there is no failure because even if the end goal doesn't happen. You've done the whole process to get there. So yeah, I just say hundred percent concentrate on, on what you're giving to things. Um, and the rest comes back to you. 
Love that. So hopeful. I really, really like that. When is your next race? Um, I'm actually doing a half marathon on Saturday, the South African national champs. So yeah. And we can all follow you on Instagram at M underscore Pallant. So we can keep track of you, um, this summer. You, you're probably doing a lot of races in Europe or not. Yeah. Yeah. My next two are Andorra and Swansea. And are you in the Finnish, um, world championships again? Yeah, that'll be the big one. Yeah. Exciting. Okay. I'll be following every single race that you're doing from now on. I loved talking to you. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for helping building that bridge of how you deal with things mentally and how people can also use that in their day to day. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and uh, well done on your race as well. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please give this podcast a five-star review. This really helps with growing and reaching a bigger audience. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at 30 and a bit podcast, and we will be back next. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.